Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Turn to the person next to you and say, New Year, New You. Say it like you mean it, New Year, New You. I mean, isn't that what all of us want? We want to enter into a new year with the hope of being the brand new person that we've always wanted to be. I thought 2023 was the year that I would, you know, shed all the weight that I wanted to shed and I would finally fit back into those leather pants that I've been holding on to since the 1900s. But you know what? God just didn't have that in the cards for 2023. But 2024 is the new year. The new me, the new year, the new you. But how many of you know that new things don't happen on accident? On my wall in the office, I have this written down. Good things don't grow on accident. Which means if you want something new, you've got to be intentional. The new you is going to come with new patterns. Because how many of you know the patterns you have followed are what have brought you to where you are right now. So if you're wanting something new, you're going to have to develop some new patterns. You're going to have to develop a new way of thinking. You know, when we come into Christ, we give our life to Jesus Christ. He he says, I make everything new, which is true. But a part of experiencing the full new life that we have is the changing of the way we think. The Bible says that we have to renew our mind, which means I've got to learn how to think like the new person, because if I think like the old Aram, then I'm going to get the same Aram results. And I've learned that Aram results are not great results, but God's results for my life are great. But those things happen by being intentional. I believe that 2024 can be a phenomenal year for you and your family, but it's not going to happen on accident. It's going to happen because you made a decision that new things are coming my way. I wonder if there's anyone in here this morning that's made that decision that new things are coming my way. Joy is coming my way. Peace is coming my way. Strength is coming my way. Hope is coming my way. I have a hope. I have a future. I have a vision for it. And I am going to do everything I need to do to go after it until I take hold of it. Because those who take hold of the prize are those who are going after it. Turn the person next to you and say, new you in this new year. So I I wrote down a few things. We're not going to take a long time this morning because we're just setting up for our time of communion and prayer. But the first thing I wrote down, as a part of this new year, I've got to make the decision that I am going to build an altar. Turn the person next to you and say, build an altar. What I mean by that is I am going to set up a place of worship, prayer, and encounter with God. I do not want to step into 2024 without him. I love uh, a story of Moses when God is telling them to go in and take the promised land. And God tells Moses, I'm going to give you the promised land because it's a promise I've given you and I, I make good on my word, but because of some of the things that the people have done, I'm not going with you. And Moses is like, No, hold up, wait a second. Here's the deal, God. If you're not going into this new place with me, I don't want to go there. 
I have to understand that the blessing is not the place. The blessing is in the presence of God. And so I don't want to go into another day of my life without knowing that God is with me. He is helping me. He is strengthening me. That this thing is not on my own because God is with me. But that happens because I'm building an altar. I'm intentionally building a place of prayer in my life. I'm, I'm intentionally creating a space for the presence of God to be with me in my life. I'm intentionally creating a place of worship in my life. When, when I talk about building an altar, I'm not talking about going and collecting stones and, uh, you know, assembling them together. I, I'm just talking about creating that space wherever it may be, whatever time of day it may be, but a place to where you can get alone with God where you can interact with the presence of God and get a word from God for your life that will propel you into your future. When, when Noah comes off the ark, if you're familiar with the story of Noah and the ark, if you read that story, the first thing he does when he gets off the boat, before he starts this new life with his family, before he experiences anything else, he builds an altar. Here's why. If you will build an altar, God will build your life. If you will take time to make room for God in your life, he will build your life. And God can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. He has infinite wisdom, infinite ability, infinite strength. And he wants to. Here's the, the cool thing. God actually wants to partner with you, to help you, so that you can become the person he's called you to be, to accomplish everything he's called you to accomplish. But that only happens for those people who say, you know what, this is what matters, and I'm building an altar, and because I build the altar, God will build my life. That's the story of my family. If you know our, my, the, the history of my family, that we came from nothing. We had nothing, but we learned to build an altar. We learn to be a people of prayer. We learn to be a people of his presence. And because of that, we have experienced the favor and the blessing of God. I'm not standing on this stage today because I'm anything great. I'm standing on this stage today because somebody built an altar that built my life. See, Jim, when you build an altar, you're building it for more than just you. You're building it for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren. When you build an altar, you're building it for generations to come because that's the way the favor and the blessing of God works, church. It flows from you, and it'll keep on going down, 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 down. One day, some crazy person is going to walk this earth that's got your blood in them, and they're going to walk in the blessing of God because you built an altar, because you taught them how to build their own altar. What are we doing here as a church? We're building an altar. We are building a place where people can come and experience God, have an encounter with God, a place where they can bring their prayers and their petitions and their requests before God and know that he hears them and answers them. This is not just a place for us to gather together. This is a building of the altar. What we are doing here is so important because it is setting us up for the future we will possess. If I build the altar, God will build my life. But if I don't take time to build the altar, then I'm going to have to do this life on my own. And Moses knew, I don't want to do this life 
on my own. I don't want to go into the promised land without the promiser. I don't want to go into the promised land without the promise keeper. When Noah got off the boat, he knew, I don't want to take another day of this life without knowing that God is with me. I'm going to remember him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to pray. Somebody say, I've got to build an altar. The next thing is, in this year, as we build the altar, I have to know his word. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have to know his word. Psalm 119, verse 105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many of you understand that God knows some things about you that you do not know? God knows some things about your future that you are not currently aware of. But his word becomes a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. In other words, it begins to direct me and take me in the direction that I need to go in to step into the things that he has prepared for me, but it will also keep me from the things that he's trying to keep me from. The word of God is so powerful. It's living, it's active. It's not just words written on a page. It is actually God breathed. It is his word directly to you, and it can speak directly to you because it is living. It keeps on going. You know, so many people, they go like, I just want to hear God, man. When I was a kid, I, I was, I'd always hear people say, uh, I heard God say, and I was like, man, I want to hear God say something. And I was like, God, just talk to me. And I never heard anything. But the older I get, I realize he's not speaking in an audible voice, can he? Sure he can. Does he sometimes? Sure he does. But God will speak to you through his word when you open it and you start going, God, hey, I'm here to meet with you. I'm here to have an encounter with you. Holy Spirit, start showing me things. He'll start planting that word inside of your heart and inside of your life. And there will come a time where you'll encounter something and you may not know what to do. And all of a sudden, that word that was planted begins to rise up and begins to become a lamp to your feet and a light to your path to take you through the situation that you could not have taken yourself through. I've got to know his word. His word is powerful. His word is strong. His word is life-changing. When we, when we talk about renewing your mind, when we start talking about changing the way you think, that's how you do it, by getting in his word. Because it's the only book that will read you as you read it. It's the only book that can change you as you begin to absorb it. That's why God tells Joshua, hey, Joshua, you want to make your life prosperous? You want to have good success? Here's what you need to do. You need to meditate on my word day and night. What is that meditating on the word? That means like mulling it over day and night. I'm not, I'm not reading for quantity. I'm reading for quality. It, it may be just one passage that I'm sitting and, and I'm, I'm meditating on it, I'm thinking on it, and I'm trying to capture it, and I'm trying to get it in my heart, in, in my soul, in my mind, in my very being, because as I get that word, as I get a revelation of what that word is saying, it begins to take me where I cannot take myself. You want new things in 2024? You've got to build an altar. You've got to have a place of worship and prayer, a place to encounter his presence, but you've got to know his word because that's where he's going to speak. That's where he's going to lead you. That's where he's going to guide you. The, the idea that you can live this Christian life without the word of God is, I can't even think of the, 
the proper word to, I was going to say asinine, but I don't think y'all could handle that word this morning. <laughs> but it'd be asinine to think that I can make it through this life without the word of God. It's a, it's a road map, one, but two, think about it like this, like think about all these landmines that are possibly out there in, in, in this life that the word of God is keeping me from. Because maybe I'm about to enter into a relationship that I don't need to enter into and the word of God begins to speak to me and go, hey, don't hang out with the unwise because you'll become unwise. But if you'll hang out with the godly and the wise, you'll become wise. Wow. (laughs) You'll rise or fall to the level of your associations. Wow, the Bible can tell me that? Yeah. It can tell me all kinds of things. Somebody say, I got to know his word. Can you all tell I'm excited? Because I truly believe 2024 is going to be a phenomenal year. That doesn't mean there's not going to be any challenges. But I believe that God's going to keep me. I believe that God's going to lead me. I believe that God's going to guide me because that's what he does. And he's got a great track record of it so far. The third thing is this. I've got to follow his spirit. Somebody say follow his spirit. This is important. The Bible teaches that the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. See, he knows things we don't know. He sees things we don't see. He has strength that we don't have. He has ability that we don't have. But now, because of Christ, his spirit is available to me. And his spirit makes the difference. Some of the person next to you say, his spirit makes the difference. Are you all familiar with Samson from Scripture? When you picture Samson in your mind, what do you see? Like, you see this big guy, barrel chest, kind of like me. I look like Samson without the hair, I think. But did you know that there's nowhere in Scripture that tells us that Samson had a, like, a great physique? Nowhere. Read it. There's nowhere in Scripture that talks about how fine-tuned Sam- Samson's muscles were. There's nowhere in the Bible that talks about his protein intake or his exercise regimen or his membership to the 24-hour fitness. All that, nothing, nothing wrong with any of that, but what I'm trying to show you is his strength had nothing to do with diet and exercise. The Bible says that his strength came from the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God that made the difference. It was the Spirit of God that when Samson shook himself, the Spirit of God showed up and Samson was able to do superhuman things. But one day Samson wakes up and the Bible says he shook himself like any other day. And nothing happened. He went out and got whipped. You know why? Because the strength he had had nothing to do with him. It was all about the, the God who was in him, working through him, which is the same God who wants to work with you, the same God that wants to work in you to give you the ability to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. So you need to understand that you have a purpose in this life. Did you know that? God created you for a purpose, and you do not have the ability to accomplish your purpose on your own. It's too big for you. If you actually saw everything that God had in store for you, it would blow your mind, it would melt your mind, and you'd be like, how's that going to happen? Because it's so big. But when the Spirit of God partners with you, because that's what he wants to do, he partners with you to give you the vision, 
to give you the dream, to give you the hope, to give you the desire, but then to give you the, bil- uh, the ability and the resources to accomplish it. Man, what a wonderful life it is to live filled with the Spirit of God. Watch, watch what Jesus says in John, the 16th chapter. This is before he's, right before he's crucified. He's meeting with his disciples, and he says this. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He's letting them know, I'm dying I'm going to be there for a few days. I'm going to come back to life, but I'm not staying here on this planet with you. I'm going. But you need to know it's to your advantage. Now, most people who had the opportunity to hang out with Jesus for three to three and a half years, to see the miracles, to hear the sermons, would think that that's not to my advantage. Like, I need the guy who can give me fish and bread when I'm hungry. Like, that's my advantage. Like, when I got to pay my taxes, he can put some gold in the fish mouth. Like, that's to my advantage. But now Jesus is saying, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. Why? He says, because if I do not go away, the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, right now the Spirit is confined to my body. But once my body is broken On the cross, what is in me or who is in me is going to be released to you. That's why the Bible teaches us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now quickens your mortal body, now empowers your mortal body to accomplish something, to do something, to give you wisdom beyond your wisdom, to give you strength beyond your... Are you following that? The spirit of God himself has made himself available to you. And he is tapped into through that fellowship at the altar we build. That's why it's so important to build that altar. A place of knowing him. I fear that many of us have grown up with this system of religion where Jesus is a flannel board character and we get some good morals. We get some good values that we can apply to our life and You know, be an honest person, be a hard worker. You know, all those are biblical things. Don't be lazy. That's all Bible. And and we grab the values, but we never grab hold of this God who wants to fill us, to work in us, the Bible says, to will and do of his good pleasure. What would it look like to be a person who yields themselves to the Spirit of God? that says, my life is yours. This temple, which is my body, belongs to you. Fill it, O God, and use me however you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. That's when things start happening for your life because you have made an altar and you have laid your life down on that altar and made room for the Spirit of God. So watch this. He says the helper is going to come. Someone's going to come to assist you to empower you. And he goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit, but I want to jump down to verse 12, where Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. In other words, he can show you some things that you can't see on your own. 
See, it's impossible to take hold of something I do not have a vision for. But when I come into a relationship with him, he can give me the vision, the goal, the desire, and the strategy to go after it. That's why Jesus calls him the helper. In other places, it calls the Holy Spirit my comforter. But then we see that he leads us and guides us, so he's a leader that I can follow. How many of you have made important, life-changing decisions without consulting the Spirit of God? And we wonder, like, why things are the way they are. It's because I never took time to consult him, maybe he would have said no when I was saying go. Maybe he would have said yes when I was saying hold off on that. Maybe he was saying wait or not now when I was saying now is the time. See, it's important to understand how seasons and cycles work. Sometimes there is a thing that God has for you, but it's not time yet and we'll have to learn how to wait because if we rush the process then we end up stepping into a huge mess we end up taking hold of something that looks pleasant now and forfeiting what is better later it's like the kid that you put a donut in front of him you go hey you can have this donut right now but if you'll wait an hour you can have a a dozen donuts and the kid goes i want the donut you know, and we're all like that kid, aren't we? <laughs> I am. Like, can I be honest? In my life, I'm the kid who eats the donut, you know, and then an hour later, I'm like, oh, man, it sure would be nice to have 11 more of those things. See if I would have just waited. If I would have just had some patience. But see, patience isn't something that you produce. Did you know that? You know, be more patient. No, that doesn't work that way. True patience is a fruit of the Spirit. See, he'll produce the patience, and the desire to wait for the things that you need to wait for. He is such a wonderful, wonderful friend that we all have access to because of the broken body of Jesus Christ. See, the salvation that happened for us on the cross is more than just an eternal place. It is life with God now. You, th- you got a moment for me to teach you something? I didn't talk to the 930 service about this, but when you go all the way back to Genesis in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden was the place where the presence of God, the Spirit of God, was an open door here on this earth, which means God actually walked with man and talked with man. They had fellowship with man. And so when sin happened, there was a separation between that and now what we currently experience. So when the Bible talks about Jesus coming to seek and save that which was lost, it's more than just saving a soul or a human being so they can go to heaven. He came to reconnect heaven and earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is the connection point. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. So the spirit flows through the vine like the nutrients flow through a vine to the 
branch. It is salvation that connects us back to the vine. So it's, it's more than just an eternal place. That's wonderful, and I look forward to that. That's going to be awesome. But it's actually having and carrying the presence of God right here, right now, being filled with his life and his spirit right here, right now. Someone say, I've got to follow his spirit. And here's the final thing. I need to check my priorities. How many of you would say, you don't have to raise your hand, but in 2024 you need to check some of your priorities? Because some of us, we've made things like really important that are not that important. And we've taken things that really are important and we've kind of put them on the back burner. I want to take you to Haggai chapter 1. Start reading in verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So here's what's happening. God has brought his people to a place where he's going to bless them and fulfill his promise for them. But as they go into this place, God says, build my house. Set up that place where there can be an altar, a place where I can have an encounter with you, a place where I can have fellowship with you, but they get so busy in this new place, in this new life, that they put God on the back burner. So watch what God says. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, and he said, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Is it, is it a time for you to build the life that you want and forget me, to build the things that you want and neglect me, to give your time here and, and neglect your time with me? You're building your house, but my house lies in ruins. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your priorities. He says, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. What he's saying is you keep on going after things that you think is going to satisfy you, but at the end of the day, you realize that you just got a pocket full of holes because nothing out there can give you what you truly need. And you keep on going after more and more and more and more and more, but you're empty no matter how much you eat. You're still hungry no matter how much you drink. You're still thirsty. You, you, you sow a lot, but you're harvesting little. You're getting little return. Why? Because you've forgotten me. You haven't made me a priority. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. Build the altar that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. What in the devil attacking your stuff? I blew it away. You've forgotten about me. You're not building the altar, so you're not making room for me to build your life. I blew it away, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, on the new wine, the oil, and what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on their labors. See, God is so merciful and good and compassionate that when we go after things 
that we do not need or, or, or things that we think we need that don't truly satisfy. He says, you know what, I'm going to step in and blow that idol out of the way so that you can come back to me. I want you to recheck your priorities because if you continue down this path, it's going to lead to your destruction and your demise. But if you'll build my house, I'll build your house. If you'll build an altar for me, I'll build your life. God wants to bless you. God wants to increase you. God wants to use you. But many of us, we tie the hands of God because we make no room for him in our life. We create no space for him in our life. The only time we consider him is maybe on an occasional Sunday when we go, hey, you know, it's a good idea to go to church. No, this is more than a good idea. This is our lifeline. This is the source of all things. This is the body of Christ himself coming together to accomplish his purpose on earth. And when we make this a priority, he says, I'll make things happen for you. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. He says, that's your priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means his way of doing things. And he says, all these things, they'll be added to you. In other words, you don't have to chase blessings as long as you're chasing God. Because if you take hold of the blesser, the blessing, the Bible says, will chase you down and overtake you. Many of us get it so backwards because we think with the old mind. It's all about working hard, going hard, having drive, getting stuff, 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 stuff. But what does it profit a man, the Bible says, to gain the entire world? yet lose his soul. What does it profit, Rich? To build a successful company, to have all the money you want, to build the house that you want, the house of your dreams, to have, and I'm, I'm for all that, man. Have as much as you can get. Nothing wrong with that, but don't make it your God. Don't make it the primary thing of your life. What does it profit a man? To gain the entire world, to lose or forfeit his soul. There's no value in it. But for the one who seeks after him for the one who treasures him will find true treasure because you'll understand it has nothing to do with money it has nothing to do with earthly possessions it has everything to do with knowing that you have the creator of all things with you inside you for you 2024 church needs to be the year that we build the altar in our personal lives build the altar be intentional with it but also corporately we need to understand that when we come together and we run a camera or we run live stream or we serve the children or we serve on the host team what are we doing we are creating an altar a place to where people can come and have an encounter with the living God who can really change their life can really be transformed and that's what we're after here we want to see transformation we want to see like families that are broken come into wholeness relationships that are struggling and falling apart being reconciled bodies that are sick being healed just wholeness completeness that's what that's what the gospel is all about it's about finding this peace this this wholeness that only comes through Christ Jesus and when we receive communion together today that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that we can be whole. We're celebrating the fact that we can have 
the presence of God in our life 24-7. Not just on a Sunday, not just special occasions through the year. I don't have to wait until January 1st to experience something new. I can experience fresh new mercy every day when I walk with him.